Lee Whitehorn, 44 years of age, father of two, married to Laura, siblings, Luke, Jay, Rachel and Jane. Uh, one father, two mums. That's me in a nutshell, footy coach. I, I look at myself as just the average, everyday, run-of-the-mill bloke. Why am I here today? Um, to talk about my diagnosis um, that I received, oh, not great with dates, but I'm going to say about six weeks ago. Um, and I was diagnosed uh, initially with a lesion, which I think is a nice word initially for a tumour or cancer. And I was diagnosed with a diffused glioblastema. Welcome to uh, episode two, season two of The C Word. My name is Luke. I'm here with my brother, Lee. How you doing? Uh, I'm good, mate. How are you? Amazing. We actually, for the purpose of everyone listening to it, haven't caught up properly for a little while now. So I was um, I was particularly looking forward to this catch-up because I want to know what's going on because <laughs> we haven't had a chance to actually speak, so this is good. Yeah. Um, what's going on in the, yeah. in the realm of uh, Adelaide? Um, well, it's been a few weeks, I think. When was the last time we did this? It was, it's been a number of weeks now. I know we've caught up in between and we'll talk to that in a minute. But um, so after your last scan, feedback was tumors maintaining, sisters reducing or maintaining? Uh, maintaining effectively is what they said. Um, so it, it's quite hard to uh, read and understand because you can get so the doctor we've got at the moment, for example, he's just very straightforward. Like there's no, um, uh, and doctors do this everywhere. They just give you the absolute minimum. They never, they never give you something uh, false hope, I guess, in any way. Even if they can see that there's eighty percent of the information that's been provided could give them some. Uh, form of hope that actually you know what this is it's actually going really well for you that they, they, they're never going to tell you that because they set themselves up I guess as doctors to, to fail which I, I get that um, uh, completely so he's quite it's quite quick it's um it can be a little frustrating because you, you you travel all the way to Flinders get down there and uh, and wait and wait for your appointment and wait and then you go in there and he looks at you and he goes you're still looking good thanks mate thank you very much and and you go through the few questions and um and that's it and then he sort of hinted it we've got to ask some questions around this he said once we get through this cycle of chemo that'll probably be it for that and we're like so what is that to me it's like you know well, what does that mean does that mean you think my body might manage on its own for a period of time and give it a break and I'll go back on it or it's all dependent on what your body can um, tolerate because it is an aggressive drug uh, and you know it can do have a lot of effects on different parts of your body um, and some people respond well to it and then others don't and I guess I'm sort of lucky that I've had I've got one of those, I don't know, makeups where I generally, with every other illness that I've 
had not that I've really had many I'm usually I respond really quickly from knee surgeries and um, after a period of time you can feel you can definitely feel within yourself um, for example kidneys and, and so forth you can feel that they are under uh, a bit of stress um, but in saying that the only thing I listen to is where my bloods are at because it tends to be that seems to be the barometer for them like where your bloods are at and, and whether or not they are at and every time I've gone in they're like yeah, yeah. And what does it mean where your bloods are at if people are listening to this? Is there markers in it? Oh, there's like tons of different markers mm. like of where your, where your bloods are at in terms of are they deficient in certain areas? Are they excessive in certain areas? So it's like whether or not it balances out so that your blood does the job that it needs to do to, I guess, yeah, keep your body operating in the manner that it has been accustomed to um when your bloods change um and what it's made up of then um when you have those significant changes in your bloods then it has it can start to have a, a really drastic effect on the body and how it functions um so they really look at um, those type of things like yeah where are your bloods at and, and if they're strong and they're good then they can continue to treat you in the manner that they want to and hope that it has the effect but I guess there's a point in time where they look at it and go you've been on this treatment for a while now and it's had a minimal effect so we'll just take you off it and see what happens and that might be what happens um, in saying that we've had Laura and myself Laura being the very protective wife that she is um, and me being fairly laid back and <laughs> I just go in and listen to the doctors and uh, I guess listen to my my own body and see and, and know where I'm at um, and Laura's very protective in that space and um, at the moment she's not overly enthused with the communication and um, treatment that I'm receiving so she's I guess we're both sort of umming and ahhing as to um do we change? Yeah. What would what would be the difference then between what your previous treatment was and this one here in terms of you say from a communication perspective, it's, you know, not as good. What What is it? What is it missing? Like as, as someone who's going through the treatment, what is it that you, you, you need factoring in what they can and can't tell you? Um, it's probably, look, you know what? It's the same as any communication that you have with in the workspace, sport relationships whatever um, if you're trying to communicate something to somebody and you're doing it with a very bland manner someone could sit there trying to tell you that they love you but if they're telling it to you yeah I love you it's, it's not quite you're not quite sure are you you kind of well, I don't really know how to take that because um there was no either enthusiasm or it wasn't it's not um, delivered in a supportive manner or or a positive manner that um, aligns with the message that's coming through so <coughs> um, I got, for me that's what I, I look at and um, but again it's hard to be hard on people in these positions because we don't do it I don't do it I couldn't even dream of doing 
these jobs that people do in, in, in this space um, on a day-to-day basis. <coughs> Sorry for the coughs, the COVID coughs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll come to that in just a minute. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's probably the best that I can explain it in terms of, you know, how, what I look for in, in terms of someone that's treating me. And it's the style of communication for me that makes the difference because you can leave the space and go, I feel really clear. There's some level of positivity, but not too much. Um, it's relative to my situation. Um, and it just gives you that little boost that you might need or whatever. But if it's really just neutral and bland, and then you kind of go, well, what? Oh, why did I come to this appointment? Well, just do it over the phone and save me uh, two hours, three hours in the end. By the time you have made the trip, sat down, waited, <clears throat> gone in, come out, um, and then get your next uh, appointment. So, um, but again, in saying that, every time we go there, there's so many people. There's so many people, and the doctors are uh, working their backsides off. So, yeah, exactly. It's easy to be critical. Um, it's also easy to sit back and. Um, I guess think respectfully of the people that are treating you and take into consideration all of the different things that they have to undertake um, so yeah hopefully that gives you some sort of answer. yeah absolutely no that, that makes a lot of sense and I think it is hard actually we're only doing some work with a client recently where they're in a space of dealing with um, injured individuals obviously we're talking injury here but again that that kind of ability to provide service but also speak to people kind of where they're at it's a um it's such a challenging role to be in i think especially if it's on mass because how do you how do you maintain that but also do what you need to do but you know i don't know it's just a complicated one but i think you're right yeah i think it's about finding who's who's right for you so if it isn't right then maybe as simple as going to another provider and seeing if they can um support you yeah it, it is that and it's the, I guess the thing you have to take into consideration is that when you're going through this treatment is that um, a lot of people just, I guess, consider themselves and what they need and want in the treatment. But it's actually, you know, if you've got a partner, um, it's more than you. It's the both of you. Um, and it's, it's really important for me to make sure that Laura is as at ease and at peace and comfortable and feel supported and communicated well in that space in terms of treatment it's really critical because when your partner whoever that is um, is in that positive supportive headspace because of all those other factors that come in your GP and your oncologist and neurologist and so forth it, it makes a big um makes a big difference and for me it's really important because I know I'm dealing with it it's part of um, you come to terms with it very quick well I guess I did come to terms with it really really quick because there's no other way to to deal with it but your partner it's, it's different so um, that, I guess that would be one bit of advice for anyone that's out that's going through it it's not just about you it's actually about a lot of people that are around you and in particular it's about that most important person in your life which hopefully for most people if they're lucky enough is your husband or your wife 
um, and your children. Um, so considering all that stuff is really, really important Absolutely. for me. That's interesting. The um, So the update is you've had that last done. Where are we at now? Do you have more scans coming? How much longer do you have of your chemo? Um, I've got a few months left of the chemo. Um, I've... Um, scan is every three months. Um, I think basically because it was steady last time. I think if it had been, we'd have come back and he'd have said, yeah, it's grown, the cyst is grown again. Um, then, which has been the part that I sort of worried about, or I have been worried about, that it would be different. Um, and it's also whether or not your, it's your symptoms. And I guess every time I present, when they look and go, well, you're actually, you look and sound good. Um, and that's what they they look for because there are obviously key indicators with your, your speaking and your um, uh, even simple things like your walking. Like has, has, has your gait changed in your, in your stride? Have, um, and if it has, then it says that there's issues in terms of that part of your brain and, and, and allowing your legs and your arms and so forth to function in the manner that it is. But in in particular to my um, tumour and where it's located. Well, it looks like you're presenting pretty well when we saw you a couple of weeks ago for your um, very exciting surprise birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I know. How was that? We, we for those who are uh, listening and not aware, we it was uh, Leroy's birthday. When was that? A few weeks back, and um, and we decided. Well, we didn't decide. Laura decided to put on a um, a surprise birthday just because it's great to to celebrate uh, what we have and where we are. So um, put it on, and I think we had about eighty odd people show up for it. Um, which was quite good, but uh, how'd you go? How did did you tell us truthfully? Did you have any idea it was happening? Oh no, and I I, I think I told everybody that night. I was, <clears throat> I think we've not mentioned this a number of times, obviously, but there's a there's a couple of things that are really hard to balance when you're going through treatment. Well, there's probably one thing that's really hard to balance when you're going through treatment. And that's uh, intimacy with your partner because <laughs> throughout taking your chemo, there's, there's certain rules um, that prohibit certain things. Oh, yes. Um, and, and then there's a period after that where you're letting your body um, cleanse itself, I guess. So there's that period as well. And then you've got to also hope that Oh, this might sound a bit rough, but it balances out with what's happening on your wife's side. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so the windows are very small and um, they all sort of aligned for my, my birthday. And she said, um, right, I've got a night planned. Mum's flying over from Melbourne. She's going to look after the kids uh, and we're going out for the night. And so in the back of my mind, um, 
I was like, you beauty, this is great. <laughs> We're going to go to dinner. I'm, I'm really, like, fingers crossed. Even if we get, have to go home that night, maybe we've just got a hotel room or something. <laughs> like, just for a short period of time. I wish I'd known and, this. We could have helped to plan your, plan your night better and not throw you into the mix with 80 other people. <laughs> yeah, well, so in my head, I'm going, okay, so this is what's happening. Anyway, during the day, we had a, a trial match. So for football, because I'm back coaching and we had a trial match and um, all new people that I'm coaching with. And our head coach, um, uh, Josh Ramsey, who's an outstanding uh, individual and um, and has uh, encountered um, cancer um, in his relationship with his wife so he has a, an understanding I guess of um, of the pressures that it creates um, so we had the game and we won and it was great and then he said oh how about we go in the clubhouse and, and have a couple of beers and I'm like oh I don't really drink um but I'm like, hang on, it's it's my birthday and I've just spent all day outside in the sun. We've won. Yeah, okay. Like, you know, the head coach has asked me for a beer. I'll go for a beer. <clears throat> Little do I know in the background that Josh had actually known for five weeks that Laura had been planning a party for me. And he, and he said, so what are you doing tonight anyway? And uh, I said, oh, we're going to go to dinner and, and so forth. And he said, oh, yeah, that nice intimate night and I said yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to a dinner and hopefully we've got a hotel room or something and he goes <laughs> sounds great I said what are you doing and he goes I think we're going somewhere the fringe and in my head I'm going okay that's interesting because you've got two young kids that's like going to be an interesting evening for you and that all finished and I'd had a couple of beers Laura came and picked me up she's still in the same clothes she was when I left early that day and I'm like what's you in she been doing? I'll get home and the kids are here and Claire's here and then all of a sudden um, we have to start getting ready and I'm like, okay, get ready. And she said, right, I've just got one thing. You have to wear a blindfold <laughs> um, for this trip um, at one point. But we're just going to go for a drink first. She goes, we've got three destinations tonight. It's a bit of a special night. We're going to go for a drink. Then we're going somewhere for a, a couple of of other drinks and, and some um, nibbles, then we're going to dinner. Okay. So we went to the Sour Master, which is nearby here, had a drink. At that stage, I'm going, I could fall asleep in an hour. Like, I've had three beers now. This is my quota. <laughs> um, and, but I'm thinking, no, hang in there because this is, you know, I don't get time with my wife often. Make the most of it. Perk up. Come on. <laughs> So it was all good. And then she said, right, let's go. Jumped in the car, put the blindfold on. I put this silk blindfold on. <laughs> and she goes, all right, yeah, okay. And I said, well, not really. I'm, I'm generally quite tense when I'm sitting in the passenger seat when I can see what's coming, let alone <laughs> sitting in there and not seeing. It's a unique experience. Try it one time when you're in the car, put a blindfold on when your partner's driving. <laughs> and um, so we took off and I was just paying attention to the direction we were going. And I sort of was trying to name the streets as we were going along. And I said, yep, we're still on the beachfront. We've just turned left onto Osborne Road. She goes, no, we haven't. And we went through it all. And then she took a couple of back streets and went past the mate's house. And I'm like, 
think we're on this street. We're on here. We're now back on the beachfront. She goes, no, we're not. You don't know everything about this place. Then. Well, <laughs> kind of, yeah, I do. And then she said, uh, right, we're pulling up here and we're going into this place just for a little drink. Um, but you got to keep the blindfold on. I'm like, okay. And in my head, I'm going, I hope she looks after me while I'm blindfolded. It doesn't like walk me into a tree. <laughs> Man she dies not out. from cancer, but from yeah, being walked yeah. into the middle of the road with a blindfold on. Yeah. Man survives brain cancer. <laughs> However, dies from fall down steps. Um, so I, she walked me down this little part of a hill and didn't tell me that the street was coming and that there was a curb there. And just walked me off the end at a reasonable pace. <laughs> and so oh, I balanced out and I'm like, I grabbed her and said, right, can you just take it easy? <laughs> she said, yep. Anyway, as we started walking, you know, I could sm- I knew exactly where we were because I could, we got near the front door and I'm like, we're at the sailing club. I said, we're at the sailing club. And she goes, no, we're not. I said, yeah, we are. I, I know we are because I can smell it. She goes, you, you can't smell the sailing club. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I've been coming here since I was 11. I can smell the sailing club. I can smell the salt. I can smell the change rooms. And she said, well, we're not there. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then we walked through the door and obviously everybody yelled out hooray and whatever they did. And um, I have to, have to admit, I had to try really hard not to um, uh, like get emotional and have a bit of a tear because mm-hmm. – she put in so much work um, over a number of weeks and she got so many people across so many different areas that I've known for such a long time that have all, for different reasons, meant an enormous amount to me. Um, people that I've grown up with at the sailing club, um, people from football that I've coached, that I've played with, um, just friends from around the area family from Brisbane um, which was amazing and then the rest of the family from Adelaide here and it's quite overwhelming and um, I thought oh gee whiz I'm not often lost for words but I was kind of standing there as you would know and I'm um, yeah I was quite shocked but I was really really impressed and really happy and I had a brilliant night I had such a good night and um, it was just hard getting around to everybody and saying hello and um, people from work that I have worked with at Reckon Sport for nearly 15 years. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really nice, really, really good. It was a fun night and I guess a couple of things to uh, add into that one is when she first told you to put the blindfold on was also when she first messaged us to say we're on our way <laughs> and be prepared. And so we got everyone prepared and waiting from that point and so by the time 10 minutes 15 minutes had gone past and you still had the road everyone was like what are we waiting for and it's like oh god and then eventually yeah we're like is, she, is it coming and message again oh no no we're here out the front and Just then again drinking. another five minutes so anyway by the time you arrived we were all very excited i did get all of it on video i don't know if we posted any of it uh online but i'm sure we can um 
after this goes live, we can post some of that onto the Instagram just so people can see it for when you did come in and get a get a surprise. And um, no, it was good. It was nice to see everyone come together. And, and again, it was one of those sentiments of going, you know, it's been a few challenges along the way, but I think this is an opportunity where it's just taking life for the for the day and, and just really being able to appreciate and be grateful for um, for everyone to be able to come together. I think it's wonderful. I think it's exactly what life should be about. So um, yeah, it was awesome. But no, it was brilliant and um, had a ton of fun. I was up way later than I normally am. I think it was one thirty when I left. Um, and then awake at the crack of dawn because... And- uh, Jack would have got you up and then we got you up because we <laughs> wanted to see you before we fly out. That's why I wake up. I was like, oh, six o'clock, got to get up because they're going to be here at seven. <laughs> get up, running around the house, trying to clean it um, while being quiet and it sort of got that done. And then um, and then you guys came around, which was really, really good and really, really nice to see you, even though it was very fleeting it was just really really nice to see you and mum and uh and, and rach and i would have loved to have seen big samuel and uh Borhan, but um obviously someone's gotta look after the kids and um Borhan was probably managing one of his 47 uh projects on the go at the moment so um yeah so no it was it was amazing it was brilliant and i am very very incredibly thankful for her organizing that and for everyone making the effort to to come along simple things like that just make a, a really big difference and uh and then i guess moving on from that you were lucky enough to uh come across another challenge of catching the spicy cough uh yes is that what it's known as now the spicy i'm like if you got a little bit of a spicy yeah. cough going on yeah got, got the old it's a different type yeah, of c word the rona um yeah, yeah, we did. It was. Um, I thought I was. I proudly boasted that um, there's no way that I'll get this, um, and uh, evidently no, that was not the case at all. Uh, Laura got it. Um, so as soon as we knew she had it, I said, "Right, you are not leaving the bedroom. I will supply you with food. I'll come in with ten masks on." And uh, when you want to go to the shower, you let us know. We'll go out the backyard, etc. Spray the house and so forth. And I thought, got to keep this up for a, a week. This is going to be a long week. Like just me and the two boys, because we all had to ice. And I'm like, oh, I just hope they're good. And uh, they were brilliant. The boys, like they were so good. Um, the first couple of days, I had to sleep with Max and um, which he loved and Jack was fine his usual self and but then after two days I sort of hit me and I was wake up and I felt really bad and I thought oh alrighty I'll do a test and did the test and straight away it was positive and I went oh rightio so then we're like okay now we're going to try and keep the kids uh, and in the back of your head, you're like, you know what, everyone, like, we should just all get it. Let's just do it together as a family. Not that you, you know, promote that or want to do it, but so we wore masks and all of that sort of stuff. And then um, the boys caught it. And um, like today's the first day after sort of three, four days that I felt reasonably good. Um, Laura was sort of flattened by it. 
Um, Jack has not missed a beat, like hasn't even, and his test like lit up bright red, and he just char has been charging through it. And uh, Max probably had two days where he had really high temps, like 39, 39.5, um, which was hard because I found it hard to sleep because you're just constantly watching them. Mm. So I didn't get much sleep for a couple of days sort of there and he had attached himself to me and just wanted me with him. Mm. Um, I was really hoping that he wanted Laura with him <laughs> uh, so I could get a chop out, but he, he really wanted Dad. So, um, yeah, so that's now we're all starting to get better, but um, sound like criminals. So I don't get out until... Tuesday. I mean, one of the biggest challenges with anything like this and, and that people speak about really is those who are vulnerable in the community and effectively you're one of those people, right? So have you have you been worried about that? Like what, what are they doing? Do you get any additional treatment? What do you get for it? Or are you just kind of like, mate, I'm fighting cancer, I'm fine? <laughs> I don't pay too much attention to it unless I feel like I need it. Like if, if I feel like I need extra assistance, then I'll... I guess I'll seek it, but otherwise, at the end of the day, you've, I guess you've got to trust that your body is actually, you take all the drugs that you want, but if your body doesn't respond to them, if it's not strong enough to actually work its way through those particular things, then you're probably just filling your body with extra junk, I suppose, is the way that I look at it to a degree, and I might be really wrong, and I'll probably get a doctor that will say that's completely wrong, but that's how I look at it. Um, so, but you do get extra help. Um, there is a, a COVID support clinic in South Australia, and it's for people that are in that considered vulnerable, um, to which I am. So there's extra um, treatment medication that you can receive. Um, you have to pass a whole range of um, uh, like questions and so forth to determine whether or not you're eligible. So you, I guess your case has to be severe enough that they go, well, we need to, you know, this different medication, special medication that, and I'm gathering it's not offered to everybody because, I don't know, maybe it costs a fortune, not sure, but um, I'm going in next Wednesday. I think I've got an appointment. Um, and just have the conversation with them um, and see what it is. Because I want to know what it is first before I go and take it um, and work out whether or not it's um, something I want to do. So, um, so yeah, there is that extra support um, for that. And, and you, when you're going through this stuff, yeah, you are more vulnerable. But it doesn't really bother me. I'm not really – I don't feel hindered by it. I don't get worried about it. It is what it is. Um, so same approach that I've had to most things for most of my life, I suppose. You were mentioning the other day, just as a, as a topic of conversation, you were mentioning, um, something to do with your will, um, and some changes or there's something that you had done on that. What was that conversation? I thought it was an interesting one that was, um, worth talking about on here. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting one. You learn a lot when you go to do your mm. will. Because we'd spoken about it before, um, right? Like, Talking about you getting your will put. Yeah, we'd had a brief. Yeah, and it was that was quite a fairly um, emotional uh, 
experience because it's I guess when you put your will together when people put their will together they just put it together assuming that you know we're gonna live till I'm probably 90 so I don't have to worry about it for a long time then you, when you're in my circumstance where you don't quite know um, and the expectations from you know you, the medical industry I guess isn't um, enormous <laughs> in terms of longevity that it becomes the gravity of um, going through that document carries a little more weight and it's a little more significant and um, and you really think about it and it sort of um, brings a different perspective and, and I'd always said I wanted to um, wanted to donate whatever parts of my body um, uh, they need so an organ donor and I've always had that ticked on my license and so forth and the only problem here is and it's not a problem but it, for us it became a little bit of a problem is that for majority you need to be alive the body still needs to be alive in order for them to the doctors to take um, functioning organs so things that can be used but they're obviously not going to take it from you when you're uh, alive. And <laughs> they're not going to come in right now and start taking it from you. <laughs> no, they're not going to go. Mate, like, you, you take know. the box. <laughs> we anticipate you've probably only got five years. So do you mind cutting it short? And we'll just put <laughs> a few people, a couple of kidneys we need and the liver. And so, we'll, do you want to get it done now? You, do. <laughs> you know, yeah, no worries, guys. Um, it's You have to be in a vegetative state sure. for that to occur. Mm. Obviously, if you're in a vegetative state, then you're no longer responding functioning so forth but <clears throat> it's then your partner um, that I guess has to um, be there be present so for me for example if I got to that point and uh, all of a sudden the doctors came in and said right We've got someone that needs a kidney, and this, um, and this individual's in a vegetative state, and you've signed this document, so we're now going to take those organs now, which obviously mm. means that's it. Um, it's quite confronting. And yeah, it it was for me. You know, it's I guess selfishly, it's easy because you can go. What I'm, you know, if and when I ever get to that point, I'm not going to be aware of it. Mm. Um, and if I can give something to somebody to help in that space, then fantastic. But I'm also not in the position where I'm sitting, and I had to go through that with my stepmom a couple of years ago. Um, watching that last part sort of take place and it's it's really um confronting when it's just happening happening normally let alone when it comes and all of a sudden it's just immediately thrust upon you and um organs are taken from your body and and, and laura was really a really hitter and the more i thought about it i thought i'm not sure about this either i don't want uh i wouldn't want my wife to 
I don't know, just have me ripped away from her f- in that circumstance. Mm, interesting. So you were, so, you signed the will, you were up, were you updating something recently? Like how did this topic even come up? Um, because they run through it. It's just the standard. Oh, right. Okay. You know, yeah, let's be organ, you know, we'll both be organ donors for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. But then, and then they explained it to you. Correct. Yeah. It's an interesting consideration to try and look at it like, you know, because a lot of the time you make these decisions just of a, you know, cool, yep, organ donation, let's kind of get on with it. But it's interesting, you, you know, you're, you're placing it with the angle to go, no, but I'm going to consider the reality, which is there's other individuals involved in the process and then almost using, you know, that kind of feet first approach. If I was sat in their shoes, how would I be left to feel? And then do I use this as a key indicator as part of making that decision of, of how I want to kind of move forward with this particular thing? It's, it's, I don't know, it's a really interesting consideration because I think people probably in that state are focused solely on them, which is fine because that's exactly what it is. It's your body, it's your, you know, um, it's what you want to do with the world. But then, yeah, the consideration of the other people, it's... it's yeah, it's who's nice. left behind and how it impacts. For me, that's really, really important. So... Um, but everyone will look at different. No, that's so cool. I like that's it. Okay. Um, but it then ties in nicely, and we'll get to the point of wrapping up because we have um, chatted for a while now. The the last piece I want to dive into is um, talking of support, an F forty five fundraiser that you guys have going on. Um, tell us a bit about that. What's happening? What do people need to know? Is there anything people can do to support it, or do you just want to chat about it to to give a bit of um, bit of light to what's happening? Um, yeah. Look at. Uh, F45 in the port, in Port Adelaide, um, where Laura goes and is uh, doing really, really well um, and has established a really good friendship group there um, with a bunch of uh, people that um, I'm really happy that she's engaged with um, and it's providing her with an outlet that she really, really needs. Um, it's, she's become a, like, repeat offender. She goes there nearly every day, um, which <laughs> is great. She does a bit of F45, which is amazing. Which is great, um, and she loves it. But, um, twice a year they have, um, fundraisers at F45 for particular charities, and they choose. And this year they've picked, um, they want to do something around brain cancer, um, awareness, fundraising, whatever, and, they had a conversation with Laura about it and Laura was like, yeah, that'd be brilliant. And she said, look, last year we bought some um, beanies from the Mark Hughes Foundation who, you know, they raise an enormous amount of money every year towards brain cancer research. And we sort of mentioned them and said, we've done that before and, you know, like what they do. And so F45 then went out and said, okay, well, we'll contact them, contacted them, promoted their members, and they sold, I think they've just gone over 100 beanies so far, which is um, fantastic. It's brilliant. And then they thought, let's expand it and, and let's have a day at F45 and let's see what we can get in terms of items to auction. And, um, you know, increase that donation to the Mark Hughes Foundation. So um, mm. none of it for me or for Laura or for F45. It's purely for the Mark Hughes Foundation. And so I've managed to get a hold of 
so far with a few guys that I know and um, connections through football, some AFL jerseys that will be signed and and so forth. Um, and they'll be auctioned off and hopefully raise some really good money to go towards a really good foundation, um, mm. which is, again, I think we've talked about it before. When you, when you receive significant help from people, you always want to try and give back because it doesn't feel right. Um, mm. You just want to have a contribution, and I guess this is an opportunity. So um, we'll have to talk about the logistics, but we'd love to do our next podcast from there if we can. And... Um, and sort of talk through the event and um, and promote it and get the numbers up. And if there's anybody that listens to the program, um, when we put the details up, then um, if there's anything they've got that they want to contribute to the auction, um, that uh, that's sellable, that people are going to want to buy, mm-hmm. um, that would be great because it would be fantastic to turn, turn around to the Mark Hughes Foundation and contribute a, a, a good portion Um to them at the end of the event um, and Absolutely. really thankful for the guys at F45 to let us do that so it should be a really really good day amazing and for those who don't know the Mark Hughes Foundation is a charity formed in Newcastle by Mark and Kiralee Hughes following Mark's diagnosis with brain cancer in 2013 and they're on a mission to raise much needed funds for research to create awareness and support brain cancer patients and their families so it's all for a really um really good cause so um yeah if anyone has uh anything if they want to get involved feel free to reach out via um instagram i'd probably say would be the easiest way to do it because we've got the the page on there and and uh, laura and myself will pick that up um yeah but i think it'll be exciting and yeah we can figure out a way to do the the podcast from the day and if we can't do that then we'll at least grab some audio from it and uh and include it in yeah i, I think that'll be the case I- I think they're um, expecting me to um, roll along and um, join one of the sessions. Um, <laughs> I think we should do burpees for brain cancer and see how many get there. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> no, I'm not a cardio-based athlete anymore. I'm happy to go and lift some weights um, and so forth. But um, I'll go along and do something on the day. I'll probably just jump on the bike for the hour that I'm there and um, and do something along those lines. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be really good. And they're a really um, passionate, enthusiastic group there and just um, uh, a nice bunch of people. So it'll be really good. Great to catch up with you. So glad that you're doing well. Hang in there with the spicy cough. You're almost out of prison. And uh, we will catch up with you in the next couple of weeks. Uh, maybe even when you're ready to go for the uh, for the F45 fundraiser. 